choose over and done with, otherwise I'm going to abandon it all and we'll just do the Bible, like we used to in the old days. Oh no, we're in the modern days, that's good. Right, okay. Now, we've been looking at the scriptures and how they are and what they are and why they should speak into our lives and why we can believe to have the best possible life from them. So we're going to continue with looking at the effect of God's word on our lives today. Quite some years back, I remember seeking God for a word for my life. And I'd been praying for several weeks and nothing was coming. So I got before the Lord and I said, well, Lord, where's this answer I'm looking for? And this was the voice that came back. Why should I tell you directly what I've already told you in my word? Oh, that wasn't the answer I was looking for. I was looking for a voice from heaven that said, thou art mine anointed, and God always speaks like that. Did you know that, by the way? He's not developed since the 1600s. Thou art mine anointed servant, and I have placed my hand upon thee, therefore thou shalt go and win many nations, and this is how thou shalt do it. That was the kind of word I was looking for, but God referred me back to his word. The answer you're looking for is already in the word. So go there and find it for yourself, and as you do, that answer will really grow faith and substance in your life. So, that's just what I did do. I went back to the Word, and I started to study, and within a very short space of time, the Word of God started to leap out of the page and speak to my heart and tell me what it was uh, that God was wanting from me and what I've been seeking Him for in my life. So let's look at our scripture for today. Here it is. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now what we're going to do this morning is unpick and unpack this verse, phrase by phrase, so that we can really get a hold of it for ourselves. Now, let me say this to you, there are over, there are over 31,000 verses in the Bible, if you could get a hold, if we could get a hold, if I could get a hold of just this one verse, I guarantee you this, your life will be totally transformed and different. If you can tune in for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so, however long this takes us, and really understand and grasp hold of what we're about to study this morning, it would revolutionize everything for you. That's how powerful God's word is when it meets with response and faith in our lives. So let's do that together and let's experience together the change and growth that God wants to bring into our lives through his word. So I want to start with the first phrase here and it's this phrase here. For the word of God is living and active. Now, I want to do something I would very rarely do in a message of this type, and I want to put underneath that the Greek New Testament for you and actually show you what that might look like in a modern script because there is something incredibly powerful and actually it relates to our meeting this morning for us to notice in this verse. 
when you use the Greek language, it gets assembled and put together a slightly different way to English. And the way you use the word order in Greek in the New Testament, it might be different in modern Greek, but in the New Testament, the word order is not quite as important as English. You can move the words around in various ways and still get the same meaning from the sentence. But if you want to emphasize something, then you can put it right at the head of the sentence, right at the very beginning, as a real impact for that sentence. And in fact, that's what's happening here in the Greek language. Can you see that, uh, that Z there at the beginning? And then that funny-looking W-like uh, letter next to it. Now, that's not the letter W, that's the letter O, but it's a long O. It's a, a longer sound, not a short O, like O. And then that V at the end, that's the Greek letter NUN, or N. So you've got Z-O-N, and it produces the Greek word zone. Now, I'll read the whole phrase to you. Zone ga hologos tu theu kai energes. And this is how it literally translates from the Greek. Living, therefore, the word of God and energizing or active. Now, what's the first word then in the Greek New Testament? Living. Alive. Life. Wasn't that what the Spirit was just been doing with us all morning? This whole verse to do with the word of God starts off with this incredible word, Life. Now, please poke the person next to you and say, are you alive today? Okay, now, let me try and unpack this some more for you because there's more in this word. When you studied at school and had to do sciences, they've kind of combined them all now so they're not quite so separate as they used to be. So the answer to this question will determine your generation. But what were the main science subjects at school? Can anybody call them out to me? Physics, biology, and chemistry. Let's take biology. The f what is biology the study of? Life or living things. Now that starts off with the word bio or bios. Now that word is used in the New Testament. And it has to do with your biology, your functions of life, breathing, eating, essential things like that, texting and going on Facebook, all those things that give us life and meaning, no, no seriously, all those things that are to do with our physical life. Now there's another word for life in the New Testament, and it's this word. And the, the form it it's given in the books in the form it would be used in is the word zoe, or zoe, depending on your Greek pronunciation. Now, zoe, you'll be familiar with as what? A girl's name. And when Jesus says to people, I am the way, the truth, and the life, in Greek he says, I am the way, the truth, and the zoe. That doesn't mean he's got a girl's name. But it means the girl's name is taken from that and other statements to be a really important expression of life. When Jesus says, I've come that they might have life, he doesn't say bios. In other words, he hasn't come to give you big muscles, a deep voice and a hairy chest if you're a guy. He's come to give us life. 
with the word zoe. And it's the same word that's used for eternal life. It's eternal zoe. And when the writer to the Hebrews, when the Bible puts it here, it says, zone, gahalogos, eternal life therefore, living like that eternal life, living full of spiritual life, is the word of God. So this word, this Bible, is electric and alive and it's full of life. It is full of eternal life. Now here's a very obvious question with a very obvious answer. If I want to be full of eternal life, where can I get that eternal life from? The Word of God, the Bible. It's full of eternal life from cover to cover. As you pick it up and read it, you are experiencing Zoe. You are touching Zoe. Let me just pick out the other word there for a moment, energes, at the end. Now, does that sound like any English word you know, energes? Energy, energizing. So that gives you a good clue what this word means. And the lexicon, I'll read out to you what the Greek to English uh, dictionary says. It says, able to cause something to happen. Powerful, effective. Now, some things change over the years and the centuries, and some things don't. And one of the things I happen to think, this is a personal opinion, but I'm sure some of you will bear it out, that doesn't change is the complaint of young people. And it goes something like that. This place is so boring. There's nothing happening around here. Now, of course, people never say that anymore because life is much more interesting. We finally put that one to rest. The invention of the internet and iPhone has totally laid that to rest. Life is never boring now. Is that right? Okay, that's, that's not right then. Okay. If I want something to happen in my life, if I want to see something taking place that's worth experiencing and worth getting a part of, where do I find it? It's in the energes of what? The Bible. The Word of God. As we take a hold of this Word and we read it, it becomes energizing. It makes things happen. Now, who likes to be around things good that are happening? It's good fun, isn't it? Nice to be around people who make good things happen. Nice to be around good things that are happening. That's why it's good to live in a city like Newcastle. We ca- Amen? Amen. Hey, we came from a small, villagey, country, sort of sleepy place before this. We go back there occasionally, and we love the people, and we love the place. It's very picturesque and nice. But somehow, I don't know if there's much happening for young people there. In fact, I know very well there isn't. And you know what? It's neither in a city nor a village that you find something happening. It's where people are reading and living by and taking on board this Word of God. 
Now, here's a little 21st century problem that we can help use to help ourselves understand the first century in the Bible. The electric car. Not known yet for its cheapness to buy. I love the way they sell these things. Sort of £15,000 for the car and £15,000 for the battery. Imagine buying a, 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 you know, a sort of a, a music, an iPhone like that. See you going off there. Oh, it must be 12 o'clock. We'll pray a bit later. If I can remember. Somebody remind me to pray at the end. Now, the problem with the electric car seems to be they only do about 20 or 30 miles. They quickly run out of energes. They quickly run out of charge. It's, I'm a little bit slow on the uptake of this. I finally worked out what those bollards are in town with the blue LEDs around them. Have you seen them scattered around the place? They've got them in various locations around Newcastle. They're car recharging points. I was walking down one of the streets in the city centre a couple of months ago, and I saw this car plugged in there. Never knew that. Well, I'm pleased my generation has been able to teach the younger generation something modern and up-to-date for ones. Well, that's a first. You heard it here first, folks. So, um, and there's this lead plugged into this post, and this LED, I think it was changed colour when, when they actually plugged the car in, and there's this Nissan Leaf built down the road in Sunderland, hallelujah, hear it for Sunderland, the northeast industry, and plugged into the front of the car, and I thought, well, there's an accident waiting to happen, isn't it? You could trip over the lead, or... Then the naughty side of me started to come into play. I thought, may... No, you know what I was thinking? Wouldn't it be fun if we sort of unplugged this or I put my, my iPad in there instead or something like that? I might get a quick recharge in three seconds rather than the usual several hours it takes. And that's the problem. You, you, you spend hours and hours charging these cars to drive around for a couple of hours in them. And then you've got to stop them and spend the rest of the night sort of wherever you are while they recharge again for the morning. Now, there's a little bit of a parable and a parallel in our lives when it comes to the Word of God. Because although we can absorb and use and really go somewhere and something can really happen in our lives through the Word of God, just like those electric cars, the charge starts to go a bit flatter. And we need regularly to plug in and recharge the batteries. Every time we pick up the Bible and start to read it, you're plugging back in. Do you know what? Even if you remember a verse in your head and you go round it in your head and you start to think about it because you've memorised it and you start to meditate on it, that will also start to recharge you. When you start to sing a song that has a verse or a line of scripture in it and you keep singing it to yourself, that will also recharge you. Whenever the word of God, even a few words, even a phrase, even just half a, half a sentence, when we start to think on that, speak it out, repeat it to ourselves, read it, let it go around in our spirits, the charge starts to flow and the batteries start to fill up again. It's wonderfully energizing. It makes things happen in our lives. But it does mean we have to keep plugged in so that we are full of divine life and energy. This incredible Zoe that Jesus says is in him, and in his word. Amen. Now, let's look at the next phrase here, and it will tell us an effect of this life. 
it says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I would imagine that the Apostle Paul is speaking something to people that they all know about. And what they would all know about is a Roman soldier. You would see them on every street corner or in the towns and on the roads marching up and down. And they carried two kinds of weapons. There were actually two swords they developed. There was a large sword, which was more for for striking out at the enemy far away and for, for slashing and cutting like that and breaking through shields and armor. And then there was a short sword. But the emphasis with the short sword was sharpness. It was double-edged. Now, if you have a single-edged blade, like a, a chopper or a machete, that's good for hacking into things. But a double-edged blade has got a completely different purpose, and that is to pierce in one go. And so they would keep this short sword in, and when they got close enough to the enemy, if there was a taller gap in their armor, then the short sword would be used and it would in one blow go right in, and that would be it. The person would be finished. Now that's a a negative picture, if you like, but used in a positive way. Because what the Bible wants to do is penetrate our hearts. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when Peter preached to them on the day of Pentecost, they were pierced to the heart. There was something happening. The Zoe, the energy was flowing in the Word of God that that Peter was preaching from the book of Joel. And it went right to their hearts. And it brought conviction. They said, that's me. Now before that time, it was like they were wearing armor. It was like they had a hard shell around them. You know, we're good Jewish believers. What's this funny thing happening over here? But when they heard the message and the word of God brought alive by the Spirit came to their lives, that piercing action went right through all their defences, all their arguments, all their traditions, all their attitudes, and went straight to the heart of the matter. And it says, that they asked Peter, well, what do we do? How should we respond to this word? It's got to us. I don't know if you could imagine the Bible being written today. But I imagine if they wrote it today, instead of using that picture of the Roman sword, they would use a picture we all know very well, and that's of a needle and an injection. Now, I hope I'm not going to make some of you feel uncomfortable here. Some people don't mind needles, and some people really don't like them. Lily had to get several injections this week for going away soon. She came back with both arms covered in plasters, very sore. But a needle is the sharpest thing we have to penetrate. Now, I got a little bit into the the Doctor House series for a while. Have any of you ever seen any of those? Hugh Laurie. That guy needs saving, doesn't he? I mean, mean, (laughs) Hugh Laurie and Doctor House. I mean, they both need saving simultaneously, I think. And do you notice in, in House... Most weeks, somebody has some kind of incredible fit and convulsion on the hospital bed. And they start to shimmer. I didn't know the body could do this, but these are, they all start to shiver and shake on the bed, and they all start to call out sort of things like, nurse, come and help. And very often, they have to resuscitate people. I'm really impressed how they manage to do it week by week. They never lose anybody. It's really good. I'm very impressed with modern medicine. And that's how it is, isn't it? 
And, and do you notice sometimes they give people injections of things like adrenaline or noradrenaline, these hormones that really stimulate their heart. And House generally doesn't get involved in this. This, this is physical and far too beneath him. He's a man of brain power. But occasionally he, he will. And you see him pick up this big syringe and he, he stabs somebody right through the rib cage, right into the heart, and injects something straight in there or to, the, to that pericardial uh, place, wherever it is, to, to get stuff going. I didn't think about that. Well, you can get a needle through your muscles here, right into your heart. Scary stuff. But that's the effect of the Word of God to bring life to us. It can get right through, very sharp. See, I always thought to do a heart operation, you needed hours of surgery and, and retractors to pull all the ribs back. And, well, maybe you do to get that big, but for a needle can go through all of that and instantly gain access to the heart. And that's how it is with the Bible and with God's Word. God's Word has the ability to get right through into the situation and touch our hearts like nothing else can. And over the years, I've seen people with their armor plating on. And things that have happened to them, offenses that have come, things people have done, disappointments, letdowns, hurts, difficulties, pains, they've all grown this shell around them. And no amount of counselling, and no amount of pastoring, and no amount of friends and family appealing and imploring can seem to change them. They are stuck in that place, with that hurt, with that position, with that attitude, whatever it may be, and that's where they are. And that's how they're going to be for the rest of their days. Until the Word of God comes along. And it breaks into their situation. And I've watched people do this over the years. After years and years and years of no growth, of no progress, suddenly... I'm thinking of several people I've known that their lives start to change. And I said, what happened? Well, the Bible just fell open one day and I read this verse and that was it. I realised, I realised the needle had gone in and it touched my heart. A simple phrase from the Bible had opened up the whole of that person's life. That is the effect and the power of the Word of God. That's what it does so well. Now, when it does that, it has an interesting effect on the whole of our being. I want to just show us on the next slide, well, that's the backdrop, how the Bible actually works inside of us. When the injection goes in, what does it do? Can we have the next slide, please? There we are. Now, to do this, I need a few volunteers. I actually need eight people. John, I've already volunteered you. You're going to sit on the front here. And this is John, and we're going to go deep inside his body in a moment. <laughs> so you're the uh, surgery victim this morning, and I knew you'd be the willing sort of guy. You're young and fit, and if I make a mistake, there's two doctors here that can uh, try and rectify it pretty quickly. Uh, okay, so... Relax, it won't, you won't feel a thing. <laughs> now, we need some 
stuff for John's life. I need six people to represent something here. So can I have six guys or girls? It doesn't really matter which. Uh, come, come to the front here. Thank you very much, young lady. Let's have another. Oh. You definitely look better than all these guys, okay? You, you're, you're, you definitely add an air of class and, 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 and wonder to this lot. Okay, here we go. Let's put... Um, sorry. Put you over here, Paul. And put Nathan. You're going to come and help me over here. So I want you to stand right there. Look at these guys here, okay? And uh, I need one more, please. One more. One more person. For our rocks, excellent. Yeah, come and stand over this side, rocks. Okay. Now, just stand a little bit away from John, over here. You three guys move over this side. Now, here's John, and this is his life. And this is what's going on inside his life. Now, the Bible says there, the Word of God is able to pierce as far as to the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. So there you have all the three parts that make us up. The joints and marrow are physical parts, the soul and the spirit. And that's what the Bible says we are all seamlessly bound together to make wonderful you. You are wonderful. I see. I want you to know. Now, sometimes that all gets so together and mixed together, there's a confusion in that process. And it works something like this. Can you see where the Word of God gets to on that verse to separate and make a division? Where is it? Between soul and spirit. Now, surely, you'd be thinking between soul and flesh. Or between soul and or spirit and flesh. Why soul and spirit? If you cast your mind back a couple of years and we taught on soul and spirit, that's where the real battle takes place. Now, I know our flesh can give us enough trouble, but actually, it's where our soul and our spirit are that the real warfare really takes place. And whichever one wins that, then tends to win the battle over our flesh as well. So, you three are the soul. And you three are the spirit. In fact, let's make this a little bit easier. We'll, we'll put girls on this side. So, young ladies on this side. This is the spiritual side here. Is that, is that good? And this is the soulish side here. And here's John, and this is his life. Now, instead of being like this, I want you all to come together and just mix up in the middle and just talk to each other and just hang about there. Okay. Now, move around, mingle around a bit, you see. Okay, that's enough mingling. Now... In our, in our life, that talk is later today, okay? So, in our lives, we have this area of our being called our soul, which is our mind, our, our will, and our feelings. Our thoughts, our will, and our feelings. That's what these guys represent. Mr. Thought, Mr. Feeling, Mr. Will. And then in our spirit is that part of us which knows God and talks to God and worships and so on. And this is the part that can truly hear God. And this is the part that thinks it can take God's place and run our lives better for us. And what tends to happen is they're all mixed together. So here's John in problems. in his, Stand on the stage, John, so we can see you. Now, John does not know what to do next. He's got an important decision to make, and he needs to know God's will. And... He's looking deep into his heart and his life and there's all this stuff going on there. And this one says to him, don't do it, it's not a good idea. This is spiritual. But then this one says, 
nah, go ahead and do it, you'll be fine. <laughs> and then this one says, yeah, I agree, go ahead and do it. And this one says, no, nah, don't do it. And it's all mixed up. And he doesn't know which one to listen to. One minute he feels like this, one minute he feels like that. There's this tussle, this struggle going on inside. Yes, no, shall I, shan't I? What's he going to do? Enter his friend, the Word of God. Nathan Bowie, you are the Word of God this morning. Now, what does the Word of God do when he reads it? It comes into his life, and it starts to put them into two piles, spirit on this side, and soul on that side. Off you go, and sort them out. This is the effect of the Word of God. You see, they're being a bit awkward. Go on, Nathan, you push them around. That's it. You show them what to do. Now, after the Word of God has come into his life, say there, you're doing right. Look like you're really mean business here. Look, here, look. He, he can see clearly through the word of God what's soulish and is of man, what's spiritual and is life from the Lord and of the Spirit of God. Before, he was muddled up and confused, but this champion here, the word of God, has separated this out so he thinks, ah, now I know where to look to make a spiritual decision. Now I know what to say be quiet to and just... You do what you're told over there. Okay? So, you see how this works? Now, he needs to keep this guy here all the time, because what happens if he forgets this guy and sends him home for a few months? They all come back together like this again. Every day, Mr. Word of God has to come in here and do his work and keep doing his work. And not just every day, but throughout the day. This is a moment-by-moment living experience. Thank you all very much. You can sit down. Thank you for solving John's problem. Here's one of the remarkable things, and I often say this to people. People come to me as the pastor for help or counselor advice, and very often, if I think we're going to have a tussle, I'll say, listen, I can only give you the Word of God. That's what I do. I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a doctor, or anything else like that. I am a pastor. And what I bring you is this living, alive, Zoe, Energes-filled Word of God into your life. Yeah, but couldn't you just tell me instead, Pastor? But then we're back where I was at the beginning. It's so often easier to seek something other than the Word of God. And I usually find when people are stuck in a problem, I won't say always, but very often I'll find this. Usually, the problem is simple, and the answer is simple. But it ends up being complicated because the simple answer is not the answer that's wanted. So the person and the situation grow, gets all confused and muddled up. But you see what the Word of God does there. It separates things out and says, this is what you need to be paying attention to. This is what you need to do. That's how the Word of God will daily and hourly and second by second influence and change our lives. And when it does, do you know what the result of all that is? Life. The energizing power of the Word of God gets to work in us, and suddenly, we feel better. It's a remarkable thing, this, that people struggle with God's Word for so long. But when you give in and yield to it and let it do its work, this incredible release and peace comes about you. And if you're like me, you think, why did I wait so long? Just like people going to the doctor, really. But there we are. Okay. Now, here's uh, a final bit to look at here. 
This verse says that when the Word of God comes into our life and does this, it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, most people don't like to feel judged. So if we come along to our friends as the Word of God and say, God's Word said you shouldn't do that, they may not appreciate it very much. You're judging me. And there is a struggle with being judged. Let me give you an example. How many of you here are very good at estimating how long something will take to do, a job or activity or your day? Who's really good at getting pinpoint accuracy about how long their homework or their work takes? Right, we've got one person at the back, Jude and Nathan. The rest of us, uh, well, he's the word of God, so he's fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, most people, I, I, I was reading some psychology papers on this, as I do in my sort of moments before I go to bed. It's just interesting. And, um, it was saying that most people are a very good judge of time when it comes to all their friends and family and how long they'll take, but a very bad judge of time when it comes to how long they themselves will take. Is that true? If your friend says to you, I'll be five minutes, say, yeah, that means 55 minutes with you. I'll meet you in town in a quarter of an hour. That means you'll probably start thinking about combing your hair then. You know, we're very good at knowing how well our friends will do, but by surprising, surprisingly, we're not very good about ourselves. And there's a clue in that little observation. Here it is in the next verse that's coming up on the screen. Our hearts aren't very good at judging themselves for this reason. This is what Jeremiah says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind. Now, you see, it's very easy to get all self-righteous about things in the newspaper. Those politicians, look at them this time. Those journalists and all the scandals that they've been involved in recently. And it would be easy to point the finger and say, aren't they a corrupt bunch? Well, they may be. They may not be. They might be. But you know what? I am more corrupt than any of them. I am more corrupt than any of you in here. And you're corrupt, more corrupt than anybody else in here. Inside Every single one of us is a heart that is deceitful and desperately sick. If we had the same opportunity, we may well fall in the same trap unless the Lord, by his grace and his mercy and his word, rescues us. We all have the potential to be as bad as people we read about in the papers. A few years ago, they were just ordinary people like us, but this is what's happened to them. Every person carries this heart and it says there in the Bible, it is deceitful. Listen, your own heart lies to you. Did you know that? Your own feelings lie to you. They are filthy lies. Let me give you a couple of examples. I'm not leaving, by the way. I'm just... <laughs> I don't like my own sermon, you know. Here I am on a Sunday morning. I step inside the door, and my own heart says to me, uh, you don't feel very spiritual today. Go and sit at the back. Don't join in the worship too much. That's for spiritual people. That's not you. I don't feel like worshipping. Then a word comes from the front. There's an open door in heaven. Come on up there. Oh, I don't want to do that. I'll move one row forward. And the meeting leader says, come on, let's move and get out of our seats. No, I don't feel like that. That couldn't be me. Listen, 
That is filthy lies. Your feelings will regularly lie to you about your relationship with God. And yet we put so much store by them. But what the, what the secret is, is to open this book, the Bible, and read in there what our relationship is with God. It says, if we are faithful, if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you can do that in about the three seconds before you step over the, the threshold of the door and walk in free. And your feelings will still be nagging away at you saying, oh, but I feel bad. Well, shut up. Yeah, but I feel, just shut up. And then the offering bucket comes out. Don't put anything in there. You can't afford it. Shut up or I'll put twice in. You know, you, we have to speak to our feelings. Our heart is incredibly deceitful. Here's some other ways it works. The Lord wants you to marry that lady. No, she's a bit out of your league, but that's God's will for you. I mean, I know you fancy her, and I know, you know, it's your second marriage, you're 95, and, you know, she's 18, <laughs> but, uh, and she's got a Ferrari, but I'm sure God's speaking to me. Now, you know, our hearts have the ability to tell us what we want to hear. And we can all do it, from the Prime Minister to the poorest person in the country. He is no more or less guilty than the rest of us, if he's the Prime Minister or if he's the poorest person in the country. We are all equally saddled with this problem. And there's no difference between pastors and priests and people and youth and uh, not-so-youth. We all have a heart that can lie to us. But do you know what? The Bible will never lie to you. It will always tell you the truth about yourself and about others. And it will tell you the truth about your own heart in all these matters. And therefore, it's essential that we fill our hearts with the Word of God and use that as a check against what we're feeling. Let me give you an example. A friend of mine had a work colleague and the work colleague was going to leave his family. And he said, but I feel I love this person. He said, but what does the Bible say? Well, never mind what the Bible says, it's what I feel. He said, no, no, never mind what you feel. What does the Bible say? And they got the Bible out. And the Bible says, don't do this thing. Don't leave your wife and family. That's wrong. Find your love with your wife again and don't run after somebody else. Well, he didn't listen to what the Bible said. And his life collapsed on itself. And it, it ruined everything. But we feel this inside so strongly. I want to do this thing. I'm sure God must want, we, want, want, want me to do it. But we saw what happens earlier. When the Bible comes in, it separates out our soulish feelings and the true spiritual side of our nature so that we can see what God's will and God's way it is. It's just a page away. Did you know that? Reality, guidance, Help, encouragement, truth, life is just a page away from you. If we can be bothered or if we can be encouraged or motivated to turn that next page in the scripture where God might be speaking to us. So let's go back to our original verse to finish with. Can we read this together, please, as a conclusion? Then we'll draw in here. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
Let me say there on that final phrase that when the Bible judges our thoughts and intentions, it doesn't condemn us. It shows us a brilliant, brilliant way out to get free of the struggle that's going on inside and really find where we started, the life of God in our lives. So I want to pray for anybody this week who wants to get an electric car equivalent. I mean, I don't know if you're into cars and motoring and things like that. Probably not, because it's all very expensive. But uh, I mean, they're not that popular electric cars, are they? And they have certain advantages. Very quiet, very clean city. Very modern them with it. At least have an iPad in there, can't you? And run that and get internet or something if it's all full of electricity. But we regularly need to recharge. Well, thank God there are more recharging stations around for our lives than there are for cars. This is what I would like you to do. If you want to, if you'd like to step forward into a more of a recharge mode this week and from here on and dig into God's Word again, let it recharge you, I'd like you to sort of get your right arm and take your three fingers and imagine that's a plug like this. Okay? This is your recharge. And this is, I'd like you to take, I'd like you to take your Bible. I've got mine on my iPad here. And I'd like you to plug into your Bible like this and feel the jolt coming through, okay? Anybody join me with that? Some of you think I'm nuts and crazy. For the, for the tape, we're shaking around, right? The charge. Okay. I'm going to pray for you while you hold yourself like that. Father, thank you for this precious word that is full of life, that is full of energy to make things happen. Lord, we want your life in our lives. We want your ability in the Spirit to make things happen. Thank you that the word separates out our confused, muddled way of thinking and shows us what's truly the Spirit of God, what's truly the will and life and purpose of God. And Lord, we pray today that you will give us grace, heart and encouragement to overcome all those putting it off excuses and plug ourselves into the Word of God and let it pierce our lives in a great way to save and rescue us and bring us the joy and peace and power of the Lord. Lord, thank you for your Word today, in Jesus' name. Amen.